Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hello, welcome back to the show. This is David Scales, your host of Surf Splendor, and uh, thrilled to be back for the first show of 2015. And uh, we hope that you had a really nice holiday break, hopefully got some time off work, hopefully got a few waves, which I certainly did not in Southern California. It's been like unbelievably flat for unbelievably long period of time. At least through New Year's anyways. Christmas had a couple little waves, but through New Year's, a lot of downtime. So looking forward to a little bit of swell that's on the horizon this upcoming weekend. But um, nevertheless, I was able to connect with Scott Bass this morning, Tuesday, January 6th. And we were able to catch up catch up on surf news and um, all that's happened in the past couple of weeks. So I hope that you enjoy this episode. If you are new or if you have recently found this show, Surf Splendor, um, we have, I think, 68 episodes now archived on our website, surfsplendorpodcast.com. And then you can listen to the show in iTunes or Stitcher, but they only catalog the past 50 episodes. So if you want anything prior to that, you can pull it from our website and just listen directly on the site. There's a play button for every um, every show has its own page, and there's just a play button, or you can download the actual file itself. Um, so go there, check all that stuff out, and there's also a music archive on the website with music from every episode, and then of course, all the video and images that we discuss in this episode can also be found on today's show page or on the home page for the next week until there's a new episode posted. So check all that stuff out on the website, and I believe that is it. You can follow on social media as well, at Surf Splendor, if you want to do that. And uh, that is it in terms of business. So I hope that you enjoy today's episode of Surf News with my co-host, Scott Bass. This is David Scales. I'll sign us off at the end of the show. Thanks for listening. Yeah, guy. Are we live right now? We are. I just pushed it right when you said Yaga. Oh, my. Welcome, everybody, down the line, Surf Talk Radio. This is our first show of 2015. It's January 6th. It's a Tuesday here in Southern California. And David Lee Scales, Scott Bass with you. And we're broadcasting live from the Surfing Heritage and Culture Center and the conference room slash library. As uh, more often than not, this is where we do the broadcast. And we're surrounded by surfing literature, surfing publications, all, every surfing magazine, surfer magazine, any magazine that's ever been made on surfing, and uh, all the books and videos, and it's, uh, there's a lot to take in here, which we never do. We just sit here and talk. We ran, rarely even look at the books. That's true. Maybe we should yeah. have a segment where we just randomly pull a book and talk about it for a half a second or something. Put on the white gloves so as our so our oils yes. don't yes. infect the pages. Exactly. Um, not only that, surfing legends right on the other side of this 
door, right? Dick Meds, Paul Strau, guys walking around the yeah. hallway. It's photographer Steve Wilkins That's works right. here. Uh, He's the of, archivist. Yep. Yeah. There's a lot there, of guys around here. Look at these stacks, these bins right here, unedited slides. Those are um, the slides of... Um, Warren Bolster? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Well, those are Warren Bolster slides right there. Crazy. Like Literally, stacks, yeah, and stacks, stacks and stacks and stacks. Probably and stacks of decades worth. Super groovy Warren Bolster slides of like China Yumura on the South Shore and really good old skateboarder magazine photos of Jay Adams and Tony Alva and that whole scene. And yeah, really, there's so much here. It's so ridiculous. What's the deal with this place, though? I mean, the general public's listening going, oh, that's cool, but can I see it? Yeah, you're, yeah, there's a museum here. You're welcome to come in and, and cruise. Now, those specific photos are being organized and scanned to be put online. I believe if you go to the Surfing Heritage and Culture Center website, you can um, pay a membership fee and you have access to all of this content that's been scanned yeah. and archived. You can right. pull it up and look at it and maybe even buy it. I don't, I'm not exactly sure. Yeah, if you're in Southern California, come visit. It's in San Clemente. But if you're outside, their website is a resource. But the website, I mean, it's, it's a little difficult to navigate. Once you understand, like all the information's there, but when you land on the homepage, it's hard almost to find it. But once you end up where you want to be, then it's it's amazing. Surfingheritage.org is yeah. the website. and um, Proud yeah. to be able to broadcast from here. Yeah, we are. We're stoked. So what do you got for us today? Tons of stuff. And I mean, we haven't met since prior to the Pipe Masters finishing. Right. And I feel like that's such old news at this point, but we have to at least discuss it a little bit. All right. Um, before we get into that, though, I mean, just a lot has happened. It's been a new year since we last met. Yeah, yeah. We celebrated Christmas since we last met. Yeah. You went out of town. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, we can kind of touch on some of the stuff. One thing um, is that we in Southern California are experiencing the longest flat spell that we've had in six or nine months, maybe. It's and the flattest flat spell. I mean, it is flat. Yeah. Like unsurfable. Yeah. That's the thing about wintertime flat spells is they it really does get flat yeah. you know um, summertime there's so much um action in the southern hemisphere there's so it's there's always some little bit of energy you can yeah. you know you can always take a longboard to san onofre on the flat day and catch some two-foot waves you know right. it seems like and there's always fun. yeah but well, it's flat well i had four days recently off work after the new year holiday and my wife was out of town during those days and there was no waves and I find my I found myself like I've never had that much time on my hands without an email to return, a phone call to return, nowhere to go, nothing to do. It was like I'd wake up at 7 a.m., read, watch a documentary, go for a bike ride, go for a run, come home, clean the house, and it's noon. You know, <laughs> it's like, what do I do for the next nine hours or ten hours? Yeah. It was like insane four days of it. But my question for you is like, I actually enjoyed the time away from surfing. And I saw Timmy Curran actually posted an Instagram and said that he was just grateful to have a reprieve from surfing. As much as we love surfing, do you enjoy the reprieve? You know, I, I will say that this is probably the first time that I can appreciate what Timmy's saying, what you're saying. Really? You know, yeah, I was gone. I haven't, you know, really been down to the beach in a couple of weeks. Wow. Yeah. You know, I mean, I've looked at the waves, you know, I, I went, you know, but I, um, 
Yeah, it's strange. It's sort of strange. It's I have noticed that like normally when I go away, I come back, I just have to get in the water no matter what. Exactly. Um, but I think part of it is that it's been really chilly. If it wasn't that, so cold, I would have dove in and done a little paddle or something. But it's been butt cold here too and flat. So right. it hasn't been that hard to kind of go, ah, I'm going to take a pass right now. You know, But it looks like there's some ways on the way for this weekend. Yeah, it does. Do you feel revitalized though? Like this time away from the water makes no, you... No, I feel fat. Oh, okay. I feel fat. I feel out of shape. I feel concerned for that, for my ability to live up to what my expectations are. Well, then during the holiday, you're eating more too. I'm eating and yeah. I played a lot of golf. Okay. Yeah. Do you do any other physical activity? No, but okay. I should have. Yeah. <laughs> other See, than basic walking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, I ride my bike and I jog. Oh. So if I'm not surfing, I'm trying to maintain some level of exercise. You yeah, know? I have really failed there. Yeah. Well, That's all right, good. all good. Hey, I had a friend who listens to this show periodically but doesn't surf at all. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he was saying just from listening that he was surprised to hear that you and I are just kind of loners when it comes to surfing. Like we've talked a lot about like, oh, I'd rather go surfing by myself. Or if there's a crowd at my normal peak, I'll go surf down the beach by myself. Even if you know the people in that crowd, I don't really want to paddle out and talk with the people I know. I'd rather go. And I was like, you know what? That is totally true. And I've never thought about that is weird. We were kind of lone wolves. And I don't know if you and I are, um, the the norm or if we're kind of outliers in that respect when it comes to surfers at large you know yeah i don't know that's a good question um i do find um i do appreciate the um the solace you know being away from everybody and right. being by myself with my thoughts in the ocean there's um, some a spiritual aspect to that and and um you know look quite frankly i'm with 30 or 40 guys in the water every time I surf, you right. know? So it's not like we're complete loners here. My whole thing is um, I have sort of uh, an ethic or an ethos um, where I like to surf by myself. And when I say that, I mean, I drive to the beach by myself. Like I don't go call my friend and go, hey, I'm going surfing, I'm gonna pick you up. Right. And in fact, if friends call me, I just go, you know what, I'll meet you down there. I, I'm going by myself. Yeah. And maybe your friend has mis misplaced you know, what he considered us being lonely or lonesome surfers with the, that comment that I've made in the past that I feel that all surfers should just go by themselves to the beach. But I think that his perception from not being a surfer is that surfers hang in packs and we're all part of this tribe and like we travel in a group and we're there, we're all bros. <laughs> no, and, we generally hate each other. <laughs> but I think that, yeah, that is probably a popular misconception. Yeah. Like I do like... I might be an outlier, but like, cause my wife will call me out on it. Like I'll pull up at the pier in Huntington and I'll see some friends in the parking lot and I'll specifically drive to the other parking lot just cause I'd rather check it by myself, be in my own zone. And then maybe we'll connect at some point throughout the day. But it's like, I don't want to pull up next to them get out of the car and be like, dude, what'd you do for Christmas? Oh, good to see you. High fives and spend 15 minutes catching up. You know what I mean? I kind of that seems to be sort of uh, like a female social phenomenon. Like maybe because my wife comments on that all the time. Okay. You know, like she'll be like, "So who'd you see in the parking lot?" And I'll be like, "Oh, you know, Joey, Jimmy, Johnny, whoever." Yeah, yeah. And she'll be like, "What'd you talk about?" And I'll be like, "Nothing, absolutely <laughs> nothing." Like we just kind of grunted at each other and went surfing. You know, yeah. and she, that just blows her away because you know she'll spend an hour chatting about everything. Totally. Yeah, I'm I'm back from the grocery store in five minutes. You know. 
Um, this has got to be the most boring surf podcast we've ever no, done. Dude, no, this is the good stuff. This is the hanging out in the parking lot chatting mm-hmm. on, on air. This does, is more talk than I've ever done. <laughs> does your wife listen to the show? Uh, she has occasionally. I mean, this okay. is the 10th year of doing the show. So she has heard the show. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. But she's kids not like, have been on the show. She's not like a weekly listener. No, no. Okay. She gets enough of me, believe me. Yeah, my wife doesn't listen either. Um, by the way, what are you doing for the 10th anniversary? Do we got to have a party? I don't know. Yeah, Let's do I, something. I more than anything, I, I guess I want sort of a, I'm looking for a pat on the back, but maybe I don't deserve one. You know, I, I don't know. I, I always throw that lately. I've been throwing that out there with you when we get on the air. Yeah. Here. yeah. And um, I think it's kind of um, we'll give you a digital pat on the back. So. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it's I guess what I'm looking for is it's important to note that, you know, I didn't although I didn't have the first Surf Talk Radio show. There wasn't there's a guy in San Luis Obispo that did Surf Talk Radio for a long time before me. Yeah. Um, on terrestrial airs. Right, right. Um, and I forget his name. He's a really nice guy, and I've chat- chatted with him before, and his name, uh, I can't remember it. But um, anyway, but but to be on the air for 10 years in some format is kind of worthy. It's crazy. Maybe I've, this is all I need right here is just talking to you about it. That's enough. No, I disagree. We need to do something to celebrate. Maybe I will host and produce the party. Well, the interesting thing is you have the very first one, right? Don't you have the very first episode I did at Surfer Magazine? Yeah, I do. Yeah. That's right. Uh, I actually have sent it, it to us. And I have it too. I found it in my box of stuff. Right. And um, yeah, we got to, maybe so we should like, that'll be part of the celebration. Maybe we should just play little snippets from it or something. Yeah. I played a snippet when I introduced it to you on the, yeah, like it's a, not that bad. No, it was good. It was better produced than our show is today. Oh, that hurts. <laughs> no, it really was. But my, what's crazy is I'm probably coming up on, I think, two years of doing this show. I Maybe like in six months from now. So I'm at a year and a half, right, of surf splendor. And I want a pat on the back. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I feel like I did hard work and it's like, it's not, it hasn't grown as much as I wanted it to grow. It's grown tremendously, but it's like, you know, you want yeah. it to grow exponentially. And um, so- to think of doing 10 years is like insane and to cons- pretty consistently and consecutively push through those all that time is really impressive. So you have my admiration and I think maybe I am the guy who it falls on for throwing the party. Oh yeah. Don't worry about it. That's nice of you. I appreciate it. What what uh, month do you know is the um, time on 10 anniversary? I bet it's, you know, in the middle of the year. Okay, so good. I, I don't Give really me time recall. to plan it. Then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, I need to get listeners involved. We should do it like, <laughs> maybe we should do a live show sort of a thing. We can have on past hosts like Sam George can come on and chat for 20 minutes. You and my host. Baldy will come I on. I had Jeff Baldwin, James Pribram, Sam George, Rob Machado, Ed Machado, his uncle. Uh, I think those are the, and you. So those are the wow. six guys that have been co-hosts with me. Wow, I'm at the bottom of that totem pole. No, in no, terms you're, of, you're no. The, actually, you're at the top no, regarding no. Um, production quality and getting your act together. Like you bring the show up, believe me. Go towards on. the end there, um, Baldy and I would just roll in without anything prepared. We would just sit down and go. So where'd you surf yesterday? <laughs> <laughs> and we would just talk about pretty much the same thing over and over and over. Well, I'm at the bottom of the totem pole in terms of like icons of the sport, though. I mean, those guys are legit, dude. Rob was an actual co-host or just a guest on the show? Well, it was Rob's show that I was called in to do with him because he and his uncle Ed because um, he was always out of town. You know, like he would right. go on surf trips and his uncle Ed would be like, and so. So um, his uncle was like producing the show and Rob was kind of the star. Right. Of it. Gotcha. Exactly. Yeah. I missed that show. Well, was it on terrestrial radio? Yeah, or? it was on Free FM in San Diego. It Crazy. was called... Um, 
I don't know. It was called Off the Lip or something like that. There's a show in San, uh, Santa Cruz called Off the Lip currently. Yeah, I know. Those guys do a good job. Um, I don't know if it was called Off the Lip or I forget what it was called. But Fair enough. Yeah. Well, um, I dude, that, I think that's the format for the 10-year anniversary shows. We get all those guys to come on and do a 20-minute wrap of like their favorite moments and all that sort of thing. 20 <laughs> minutes each. I don't even know if they even remember it. but I'm going to do it. At dude. the very least, we have archival stuff that we can throw out there little tidbits i'm gonna do it all right that's my mission for 2015 so the pipeline masters yeah dude um so G- we gabriel we, medina won the event or uh, excuse me he didn't did he win no yeah come on bassy <laughs> no, <laughs> talking about being well, unprepared I mean, no, no, he was world champion <laughs> okay check it out the last show that we did we spent a lot of time complaining about they called it off on the saturday right right that right, right. turned on Basically, they called the event off and then the waves turned on and we were complaining, saying that was a horrible call. And it It, was. Well, in hindsight, what are your thoughts? Because we got basically they ran the entire rest of the event on one day and the waves were pretty good throughout that entire day. Yeah, it was okay. The downside was that guys had to surf, I think, five times. The guys who started in round three and then lost had to go into or round four lost, had to go into round five and ultimately surf five days. And And I don't mind that. I think the big thing was the people wanted to see the Gabe dusty showdown in that second reef pipe. We, we felt like, look, this is really going to, you know, quite frankly, it's a great opportunity for dusty and um, you know, let's see what Gabe's got. Of course, in, you know, in hindsight, it was all lefts, but I'm sure dusty would have been done great in those big lefts. Right. Look, you know, for all the um, anti Gabe Medina nationalism that I sort of spout on this side of the microphone, um, he, he's he's an incredible champion. He's an incredible surfer. He did everything that was ever asked of him. Um, I mean, the the backside barrel he got uh, against Julian. Yeah, he got that, a ten. That was insane, and um, that heat was exciting. All right, let's break it down, dude. Yeah. I mean, do you feel the scores went the way they should have gone? You know, I got to admit, I don't I don't have the full breakdown of the Pipe Masters in my head right now. Yeah, you know? it's been I, a while. It has been, but I remember it being. Um, being pretty exciting, I and I remember it being tight. Yeah, giving him you know that score, um, but I gotta apologize because I just don't okay. exactly well, let me, recall every. Let me give you my take then. I think that um, Julian should have won the final. I think the scoring was a slightly askew. Like I thought Julian's first wave, he got this insane barrel backdoor barrel. I think him and Gabriel split a peak or something. Oh, that's right. Okay, now it's coming. And back Julian to got like a nine one seven, and I thought it was a nine five. You know, so like slightly underscored on the first wave. Then Gabriel got the backdoor barrel. They gave a ten two, which I thought was slightly overscored. And then it all came down to a final exchange in the closing minutes where Julian needed a score, and they split a peak. Julian went right. Gabriel went left. Julian got the score he needed. Gabriel slightly didn't get the score that right. he needed. Right. Julian won the event on the sand. I, they thought, it was, the I thought it was well judged at the end yeah. of the day. I think the person that deserved to win won. I do too. Um, but it was within a point. Like it, it was that it, exciting. And it was very exciting. And, and as I recall, the left that Gabe caught at the end was shorter and sweeter. And, and Julian, as most backdoor waves are, had that longer section. And it, it was, was just, the opposite. Oh, was it? It was the opposite. Oh. Julian's was shorter. It was He backdoored a sick pit, but then all he did was backdoor it and get blown out. Oh. It didn't have the bonus section on it, oh. but it was big and perfect. Right. Gabriel's was not big and perfect, and it t- it was a little turbulent, and he made it, but it wasn't 
It was kind of a short tube, as I recall. But, yeah, but uh, Julian's was definitely short. You okay. know what I mean? But well, it was good. It, it was, was good stuff. Yeah. I didn't feel like there was any judging mishap at the no. end. At the end there, so and was it was good. awesome that everybody got to win something. Gabe won world title. Julian won the event and the triple crown. By the yeah, way, yeah, that was Julian cool. needed to win the event in order to win the triple crown, and wow. he did it. And wow. he was one of the guys who lost in his non-elimination heats, so he had to surf more heats that day than Gabriel or oh, anybody yeah. else. So by the end of the day, he's just like completely winded. And when that set came, it was like, dude, can he even get to his feet at this point? And he yeah. did, you know? Yeah, so yeah. it was spectacular. Does Pipeline ever let us down? No, but it, it could have. It's <laughs> so spectacular. Luckily, they packed it all in there. They shortened up the heats, right? To 30 yeah, that's minutes right. And... In order to fit the event into one day. Because yeah. I was claiming that they needed a day and a half to run the rest of the contest. And they did. But they, they were able to overlap heats and cut it from 35 minutes to 30, I think. Yeah. Um, but I think one thing that I'll point out is get, uh, Kelly Slater faltered. That needs to be discussed. Kelly Slater lost his round, I think it was three heat, against Alejo Muñiz, who then went on to take out Mick Fanning, which was the other world title contender. Well, Alejo got an incredible 10 in that heat, right? It, I don't think they gave him a 10. It was like a 9-7, but I should think, have been a 10. I think it was the best wave of the entire event. And he just sort of snatched victory from Kelly there yeah. at the end, right? There was about three minutes left yeah. or something. Yeah, and the best wave of the day came to Alejo. Who had priority? I think he might have. Yeah, so there's nothing Kelly could have done, really. No, but bravo to Alejo. I mean, no joke. Let's not overlook that backdoor barrel. That was a better barrel than Julian's or Gabriel's. I thought that was the best wave of the event. Better surfed than John John's waves. It was like crazy. And he went on to not qualify for the 2015 season. So he's out. Alejo, we won't see him again this next year unless he goes back and re-qualifies. But went down swinging, took out the two champs to help Gabriel then clinch the the event or yeah. the, the world title, which yeah. it's a spectacular story, dude, for yeah. Brazil. Yeah, it is. And Felipe was shredding throughout the event, which we would not have expected. It was like Brazil's event. Brazil took the pipe Well, masters. it sort of begs the question, you know, how long will Brazil hold on to the sport now? You know, like, um, you know, you're looking at Gabe, you're looking at Felipe, um, Got Idolo Ferrer is now on the tour for the first time in 2015. Yeah, and who knows? You know, like yeah. he could just all of a sudden be the next guy. Jadson's looking better than ever. Jadson's always formidable. So there's, you know, for sure, relative to North American surfers, you know, California, East Coast, um, Brazil's dominating, you yeah. know. And I mean, if you look at the whole USA, really, yeah. right? Who's Nat- our guy? Kelly. Well, Nat Young's faltering. Nat. And then Kaloe's on an upswing. Okay, well that's good. I'm glad you. I'm glad you're refreshing me here. So Kaloe is on an upswing. I think Nat is solid. I think Nat could be a world champion. See someday. I'm, I'm not sure about that. I feel like Nat. It was awesome out of the gates, but we've seen it already, and this year his results show. We've we've seen what he can do. He needs to step up his game. He's not doing anything new, and um, and I think that the judges kind of need to be surprised a little bit. You know. I don't know. The backhand thing, it's like, all right, cool. You smashed the lip 10 times on a wave. We've seen Ace Buckin do it for 10 years now. What else you got? You know what I mean? <laughs> Is he the poor man's Ace Buckin? He's actually the better version of Ace. I, I think. think you're but, right. Um, we'll see. You know, I'm not. A lot of it is, you know, each year you're, 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 the ocean provides us with different conditions for these events. I mean, you know, you, you just never know. If we get meaty chopu or... Uh, you know, we've seen the snapper event go over to Deep Bar. Yeah. And 
and surfed a little beach break and yeah. you know just things change you know every year's a little different conditions wise right. and i'm still um bullish on matt young okay yeah. fair enough um well exciting 2015 ahead um the asp worldtour.com is now worldsurfingleague.com i don't know if you cha- noticed they changed I did. the URL. I, I, well i and i put a little tweet out there about oh, it okay. i think forget what i said but i i basically congratulated the world surf league and yeah it's on good it's officially it's, the wsl it's on matt banning will be on the on the tour this Who? year yeah buddy <laughs> he's my guy dude i've been pulling for him since the beginning isn't he an australian he is we got a new zealander too ricardo christie how do, how do you find yourself pulling for non-americans like don't you have any nationalism in your veins don't more, you want more than like, nation- when you watch the olympics do you do you root for Sweden to win or how does it work with you? That's a great question. You have no nationalism. I, in regard to surfing, any parents serve in the armed forces. Can I finish my, anybody die for the country? Can I answer your question? Yes. Let's go back to the first question. Um, Good surfing trumps nationalism for me. I want to see good surfing first and foremost. And if he's not American, no big deal. That's fine. I'm still going to root for Kelly. Like, I want Kelly to be the guy. But Matt Banning's freaking ripping, dude. There's no denying They it. all rip, though. No, they- no, 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 no. To a, the, the degree of magnitude that he rips to is different than the other QS surfers, which is why I called it out two years ago on this show. Right. I would like to point that out, by the way. Can right. I get a pat on, pat on the yes, back? Yes, you did say Matt Banning. Look out for this guy, Matt Banning. A and year- I said, dude, I've been watching him for a while. So no, where are you, you been? were like, who is that? I don't know what you're talking about. Dude, you have no clue. All right, whatever. <laughs> Carry on. What else you got? ASP. That's enough ASP time. Well, I, or I, WSL. I found some, uh, some, I guess we could call it unconventional wisdom. And I use that term wisdom lightly on the um, Surfer Magazine message board where somebody claims to have some insight that Dane Reynolds um, applied for a 2015 WSL wildcard. What? And was denied. Really? And of course, CJ and Micro Hall got those. And Dane Reynolds was told to go uh, back to the QS and qualify. Good. Now, again, we're talking about the Surfer Magazine message board, which is, you know, it's not the most reliable source. Aren't you like the gatekeeper on there, dude? No, no, I no. I feel like you I was that. for a long time yeah. ago. But that was a long time ago. But it's a great place to sort of scour yeah, yeah. for um, gossip for gossip and hate and rumor and innuendo. But um, the one guy that posted it is sort of a guy who um, has, you know, some semblance of credibility. When okay. I think he's like somehow he's involved in the industry and he seems to know what's going on. Do you know him personally? No, you I just know his name. I just know that he tends to have like insight into the pro tour that, right. that only somebody that would, you know, be like an intern for one of the Wasserman Group management guys or something. You know, he somehow he seems to know. But anyway, so... He threw this out there, and um, and then there was a bunch of interesting stuff about Dane Reynolds. You know, some of the guys on that message board said he's got a new name. It's called Dunn Reynolds. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, and and they went on to kind of talk about Dane and his role with Quicksilver, and and you know where he stands, and is he worth more money to Quicksilver just doing what he's doing now, or which is nothing, by the way. Right, exactly. <laughs> well, somebody went on to point out, look at Dane Reynolds' surfer poll. Um, yeah. Results, which is actually a very good indicator of how Quicksilver views Dane Reynolds. Like, if you're number one in the surfer poll, you don't have to do anything except keep doing what you're doing. Right. Right. Which and, John John took the throne this year. Right. 
Over and, but and he's covering both bases, free mm-hmm. surfer and competitive. But for Dane, you know, he went from in 2008 he was third, 2009 he was third, 2010 he was second, 2011 he was second, 2012 he was third, 2013 he was fifth. This year he was sixth. So his surfer pole ranking is going by the wayside. Yeah, which you know, again, if you're a free surfer, that thing better be one, two, or three, right. or you're done. And um, so you know. The question is, is Dane Reynolds still selling product for Quicksilver? And we don't know. But apparently his surfer pole ranking would suggest that he's not. Because if you're not popular with people that give a crap about the surfer pole, right. then you're not selling product. Well, I got a couple of thoughts on Dane. Firstly, he's pregnant. Or, or <laughs> him and Courtney are pregnant. He's been pregnant with Coors Light for no, quite no, no, a no, long no, no. time. That sounded... I totally uh, buried buried the actual story <laughs> by Dane me. Reynolds is pregnant. Uh Dane and Courtney. That's going to, by the way, that's going to be the title of the podcast. <laughs> it should be. It's legit, though. Him and Courtney are having a baby. You speak in May. like you know her. Who's this Courtney girl? Is that his wife or Courtney? Uh, they've been dating ten years. I've got. <laughs> oh my a, God, you do know all this, dude. I do. I've got okay, the inside good. track on yeah. Dane and Courtney. All right, please. Tell she, me. by the way, drives me insane. I'm embarrassed to even say this, but she goes by the name Napkin Apocalypse. So if you follow her on Instagram, she has like, she's an artist. Uh-huh. I'm giving air quotes to Scott right now. Okay. Um, she's an artist and she's goes by Napkin Apocalypse. That's on how Insta? everybody refers to her. On period. Instagram? Yeah, like on Instagram, on their blog. People on, call her that in person? Dude, no joke. Napkin, Napkin Apocalypse? Apocalypse is her, her that's handle. The, that's the name of my new band. Uh, you're, you're ripping it off off an existing artist. Um <laughs> But Dane and Courtney, they've been dating for a long time. They're not married, but they're pregnant. This is a true story. Yeah. I, I know this sounds no, they like mentioned, a joke. They, no, they mentioned that on Surfing yeah. Mag. That, that so he's got a baby on the way. And I don't know if that relates to him qual- or trying to get the wild card and go compete and try to re- revitalize his career, you know? But um, but it's interesting. I mean, I don't, I don't know how that fares. 23,000 followers. Uh, uh, Scott that Bass. Her? Yeah, that's her. Scott Bass just found her on Instagram, 23,000 followers. But dude, it's a thing. I'm not this, I mean, yeah, like, it's kind of old news, actually. Right, okay, yeah. I've just never talked about it because it's kind of embarrassing. But she makes videos, like they've posted her little art project videos on marinelayer.com. She has an Etsy site where she sells artwork through. She stages all these um, photo shoots for her three dogs. I'm looking at her Instagram. There's a lot of dog shots. Her whole thing is making animals look like humans, basically. (laughs) So she sets them up in like a little Power Wheels car and like drives them through their, puts sunglasses on them and stuff. It's all funny, but it's like. Well, God bless her. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm just laughing because it's kind of cute and different. Not, I'm not trying to put her down or anything. Dude, I stumbled across a photo like a year ago of them when they were like 13 years old. Like when they first started dating. Has been Dane's girlfriend for 10 years? Yeah, no joke. Like she travels Dane? with Do you know him. How old Dane Rose? I think they're like twenty six and twenty eight or something. All right. Um, and I'll I'll post this photo of them as young lovers. Actually, it's really kind of cute. Actually. Mm. All right. Um, but so that's the Dane and Courtney show. We don't need to spend a bunch of time gossiping about their personal life, but I bring it up just because you mentioned it on the the message board thing. I I think that. Um, I don't think he has a competitive career in front of him. No. I don't think he has much What's of a free surf. Move? Well, 
Kai Neville's making a new movie called Cluster, mm-hmm. and Kai Neville's responsible for launching the careers of uh, Craig Anderson, even to a certain degree helping Jordy Smith kind of... So he's going to revitalize Dane's career now well, that he has a baby on the way well, and he needs to Dane's make... devoted a lot of time to this Cluster project. Oh, okay. And I've heard about it. I've heard they've been traveling together. I've heard they've got really amazing stuff in the can. Right. And it's going to come out, I think in six months or so like summer he usually releases it at the u.s open his big projects right that's where he released modern collective and lost atlas and dear suburbia so clusters the next big thing dane's um uh section in there i think will be the deciding factor of whether or not we'll see dane much after this 2015 well i hope we do i mean everyone loves to see the guy surf He, he surfs incredible um, but what is his weight situation? You know, like, is he loosey-goosey, light and sprightly, or is yeah. he, like, turn into Davy Miller power hack guy? Right. Yeah, we'll have to see. Yeah. Only time will tell. Yeah. Kai Neville's cluster is what we're going to be looking for. Has he been eating peanut clusters? You know, like, how <laughs> fat is Dane Reynolds? I hope he's good. I hope he rips it. I, somebody on the... Um, on the uh, Surfer Mag message board said his next gig is going to be playing bass in Donovan Frankenrider's band, which I thought was pretty clever. That is pretty funny. Um, what else? What's your next topic? Um, Anything else from the message board? That no, that's enough. From the, the next topic is, you know, although it's flat now, we had a run of great waves um, right around the holiday season. Mm-hmm. And Mavericks has been, was, you know, his biggest and his, his uh, clean on, I want to say it was December 14th or no, December 20th. Mm-hmm. It was this all time day. I'm sure you saw it. They posted, they actually did a really cool live shot of it from Surfline. Yep. Sponsored by the Titans of Mavericks. So um, a large contingent of the world's best big wave surfers showed up, surfed this gnarly Mavs. Incredible footage is all over the web on the XXL site. Um, Jamie Mitchell took a horrendous wipeout. A bunch of people did. Um, by the way. Yeah. I hate to be disparaging yes. again uh, that's <laughs> to another professional server. Um, Jamie Mitchell, have we ever seen footage or stuff of him not wiping out? I know he's like the the man when it comes to paddling, but he had a wipeout of the year contender for 2014 at Balhara, which is where I first kind of realized that he's a big wave surfer now. And then the footage of him from Mavericks was this horrendous wipeout. <laughs> I've never seen him stand up on a wave. Well, here's what's interesting is that that wave is actually a contender for both ride of the year and for wipeout of the year. Oh, really? Because the Mavericks wave. Yeah, because wow. he does make this incredibly late drop and do a bottom turn and then pull up underneath this slab that doesn't open up, that oh. absolutely crushes him. Got it. And so... His interest that wouldn't that be interesting if yeah. he won both ride of the year and wipeout for the same wave? Yeah, I think it's just funny that the only time we've seen his name is on a wipeout. You know <laughs> I, have I, mean? a, I have a funny, I don't know if I've told you my Jamie Mitchell story, but no. I was in a stand up paddle contest at Makaha, it was a big wave contest, it was called the Makahiki. Um, or no, what was it called? Was it called the um, anyway, I, some Hawaiian term? For, when was this? This was in like 2008, okay. I think. Right around there, at the beginning of the SUP craze. It was the very first SUP big wave event at Makaha Point, okay. not the bowl. Had to be big enough so that the point was breaking. And uh, Jamie's in my heat. And basically, um, I'm riding a wave and he's paddling out. And I'm trying my best to get around this section. And he's paddling out and he's just got a bail. Yard <laughs> so sale. He has to yard sale it in front of me. And, um, and I just... 
I think I ate crap and just we ended up kind of like yard sailing together <laughs> tangled up yeah and um, yeah because stand it was up a paddle pretty, he can't duck dive the wave no, right? he he's just, just like and it's so big you just dive off right. there's no duck diving and um did and anybody he, get hurt or no anything, no or? it was very close though it was very close and i just remember him being a super nice guy and just yeah. being like dude that was right you know like he's all psyched he's like yeah. that was the raddest wipeout i've ever had you know yeah. whatever and i'm like oh my god i almost died what are you talking about who won the heat um I th- I think it, it was like you know it was like Brian K. Alana and um, and uh, gosh I'm getting so old my names um, you need some like ginkgo biloba before I do, we do, I do the show or something well, <laughs> this guy won the very first Eddie and I can't remember I can't I, I can't believe I can't oh, remember his first name this, you gave me this trivia question at some point on the show so I should know it now he won one of the Eddies um, and he's he's down, George Downing's son oh okay um. Uh, Starts with a K. Keone. Yeah, Keone Downing. So Keone Downing and Brian K. Lana won the heat, and Jamie and I didn't. Move Got out. it. Yeah. Got it. We'll blame Jamie on that for wiping out in front of you. Anyway, that's my Jamie so that, Mitchell story. Uh, that uh, Maverick session, I did see all the surf line footage and stuff. I heard it was a nightmare in terms of crowds. Like the main guys who are, you know, Skin Dog and whomever else were complaining that it was just like a complete circus out there. Yeah, it was as crowded as I've ever. It must have been 75 guys. With guys who are brand new trying to get into the thing, photographers that are brand new trying to go out and like be a part of it, stand-up paddlers. Do you see the images of that stand-up paddler trying to burn dudes? That might have been Jeff Clark. I don't know. No, it wasn't Jeff Uh, Clark. It was some Barney. But I heard guys complaining about Garrett McNamara. Just like, like, dude, G-Mac is an absolute nightmare in the life. (laughs) Like he shows up at Mavericks, <laughs> controls the lineup like he owns the place. It's probably on a twelve foot gun or something. And 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 the the word was like, it was so crowded. It there's no amount of positioning or picking and choosing what waves. Just if a wave comes and you're in position, you just paddle and go. Basically, yeah, because yeah, you can't move those big boards no. around that lineup when it's. That and if guy. it's a closeout, that's your bad luck. And if someone's in your way, that's their bad luck. You just paddle and go. Well, you know what I. I I can understand why they're upset about it, but this is all their own doing. I mean, this is exactly what they wanted. I mean, this this whole Titans of Mavericks thing where it's like, hey, there's some wild cards and you could be one of them. All you got to do is come up and show that you're made of, you know, and, you know, be, you know, prove your salt and, you you know, you may get picked. Well, this that's, you know, you tell people to go do that and they're going to show up and try to get their, you know, moment of fame and glory. And this is what they asked for. I mean, this is the Titans of Mavericks. This is it, you know, and. It's kind of hard for us to digest anybody complaining about it at this point when they were, you know, a couple of weeks ago going, hey, this is what we're going to do. Everybody show up and prove your salt, you know, right. see if you can make it out here with us, you know, yeah. and sure enough, everybody showed up. One of my favorite things from that day was um, Jamie, uh, not Jamie, Mark Healy. Did you see he was on a boat that was kind of on the inside and this wave swung wide. They thought they were enough in the channel, but they weren't. And this giant whitewater plowed into the side of the boat. And they were, people thought the thing was going to get capsized. And so Mark Healy, as he gets hit and the boat kind of gets pitched to the side, he dives off the side of the boat and does like a cartwheel 20 feet in the air into the ocean. He was suited up and everything, having been in the surf. Um, so he was able to like swim and then get rescued back onto the boat. But he thought that was the better option than getting capsized. The boat didn't get capsized, but guys who were on the boat that didn't jump off 
totally got pitched on the boat and like landed on boards boards got damaged all sorts of stuff yeah but um it's pretty harrowing footage to see him cartwheeling off the side of the boat you know? yeah i did see a still image of it it's pretty cool yeah i think he instagrammed the actual video of it too well um you know speaking of the titans of mavericks i don't know if you saw this but uh uh the cartel management, which is running the Titans of of Mavericks, they announced that um, due to unforeseen circumstances and challenges regarding the festival, um, which is that event where they where you're allowed as a fan to come and kind of take it all in and listen to music and watch the event on a big screen and kind of soak it all up with everybody Vendors. else. Yeah, Vendor Village, that yeah. whole deal. That whole Titans of Mavericks festival has been scrapped, has been canceled um, for this year, um, which is, you know, really in the big picture of things, nobody cares, I don't yeah. think. And, you know, because it's way better just to watch it at home in the warmth of your own house, you know, than. What was the reasoning for canceling? They didn't give a reason. Okay. It was quite ambiguous, but they did go on to say that, look, we're focusing on the contest this year and we're, we look to be building a greater experience. That's more up to our standards that will satisfy the fans and the community in the future. So it seems as if there, you know, there were some operational issues and they just said, you know what, let's scrap it. If we can't do it the right way, let's not do it at all. And we'll do it the right way in 2016. So the contest, of course, still happening. But this festival um, for this year, not going to happen. Yeah. Uh, do you remember when they had the event a year, maybe two years ago, and like a rogue set? There was a bunch of spectators. They weren't doing the yeah. festival, but it was like yeah, tons was like of media tide. and spectators yeah. standing at the shoreline. And a rogue wave came and just cleaned people out. Yeah. And I think a woman broke her leg. Yeah. You know, it was just like, it was crazy. Yeah. This giant wall of whitewash kind of in the shore break just mowed people over. And it wasn't like up to your knees it was like chest deep freezing cold water people just got smashed against the cliff yeah it was crazy that was the beginning of the end and that's when they decided to start doing these festival things off site but near the right. site like in the harbor restaurant or whatever right. and uh, so yeah. yeah crazy um i got something for you yeah stabmag.com did a list you know the end of the year, everybody does these lists of everything, the top 10, whatever. Yeah, yeah. So they did Stab's uh, richest women in surfing list. Oh, interesting. Alana's got to be at the top. She is. She's number one. Absolutely. Um, but I always like just seeing the numbers. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I think everybody does, right? Yeah, yeah. Just seeing like yeah, what. Who's rich? Tell me who's, who's how rich, much does dude? Alana make? What do these companies pay these people? Alana to go Blanchard surf? probably. Let me guess. Let's hear it. I'm going to guess that. Alana Blanchard probably makes a couple hundred grand from Rip Curl. Okay. Um, and then probably a couple hundred grand from GoPro. Okay. And then... Um, I love how you know all of Alana's sponsors. <laughs> You've <laughs> been following guess, her Instagram well, a lot or what? I'm trying to guess what her, well, who's her... I mean, is she, is she a Red Bull girl too or... Don't act like you don't know. I you, don't, you, she, buy the, you buy the drink just because she supports it. I drink perps, bro. She's not Red Bull. Oh, okay. Well, anyway, I'm, I bet she probably makes like... I'm just going to throw it out there. I bet she makes three, three quarters of a million dollars a year. Way off. Way more or way less? Way more. Wow, 2.5? No, 1.8. 1.8 million a year. As the top earner, that's she's without, 1. That's without contest winnings, right? That's, that's just, including, well, she doesn't win any contests. Well, that's what I mean. <laughs> I mean, if you include it, it's 1.75. 1. <laughs> <laughs> she, um, 
got last place in every event this year and subsequently is so not what? returning to the women's world tour next year. So what I've um, said, look, before you get into the yeah, numbers, yeah. I've said, and I've told you this, that when, as soon as she started to get famous, that she's the Anna Kornikova of surfing. She yeah. should have done her own thing. Like she could have broke off from rip curl and had a, a line called Alana mm. and she would have killed it. Yeah. Now she's killing it already and she doesn't have to do any of the heavy lifting and, and create a brand or whatever. And really her sphere of influence is is you know probably at its peak now in the next five years it'll wane right but um anyway so, yeah so uh her earnings from rip curl are just shy of 800k and that includes bikini royalties right. because she does have a lot of line of bikinis that yeah. she gets royalties from but her other sponsors are spy gopro rockstar energy drinks and reef and um her total earnings with contests is 1.8 mil Wow, so, good for yeah. her. I hope she's stashing some of that money away. I mean, uh, these next four or five years, you know, it, it's, it's the star's only going to burn for so long. Right. So. Well, for me, interesting, uh, some of her sponsors are proactive, which is like a skincare thing. Sony. That's and, awesome. Yeah. Sony and T-Mobile as well. Oh, yeah. She did that T-Mobile commercial. Right. So that was what, hilarious. So what's interesting that what we're seeing with this women's list is a lot of, uh, you know, brands outside of the surf industry, basically, which I think is really cool. And I think that the women have more access to that world than the men do. You know, I mean, the top, oh, for sure. the top men certainly have access to it, but there's a well, wider... Think about it. What do um, actresses that are sort of in the latter part of their career that are like late 30s, mid 40s, they always get that hair color commercial, like yeah. the really good looking ones. So like, you know what I mean? So that's something that Alana could look forward to. Totally. Is like get that from proactive, you go to that hair color, whatever it is. Exactly. But the, you're right. The guys don't have that, you know? So Steph Gilmore's in second place with 1.7 mil, although this report was done before she won the world title and she probably gets bonus from Roxy for winning the world title. Yeah. So she might've got bumped first. Carissa Moore's in third with 1.2 mil. Sally Fitz, 1.1 mil. And interestingly, her sponsors, Land Rover, which Mm. is a great sponsor, and Samsung. Um, Also interesting that Red Bull... She's sponsored by Red Bull, but the sticker is on the rail of her surfboard as opposed to the nose of her surfboard. And that is a different dollar amount. You know, the nose is the prime real estate, basically. Right. If she had the Red Bull sticker on her nose, she'd be getting paid 350K from Red Bull. But because it's on the rail, she gets paid 150K. So there's a 200K difference, but that makes room for the Roxy sticker on the nose of her board, which is paying her half a mil. All those girls are, are really beautiful young women too. I mean, Stephanie, Carissa, Alana and Sally Fitzgibbons. Gorgeous. All pretty much gorgeous. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like totally marketable. Right. She did a KFC commercial, which I talked about on this show about a year ago. And apparently she got paid 125 K just for that commercial. Nice. So she doesn't have to wear their stickers on her board. It was just a one-timer. I've met um, her before one time when I was at Quicksilver doing some stuff. She's a really cool person. Really? I mean, they all are. I'm sure they yeah. all are. But Sally was a really uh, nice, down-to-earth person. So interestingly, the number fifth and the number sixth position on the list aren't even girls who are on the tour. Uh, number five is Beth Hamilton, who's got 600K incoming. She only makes 600K? Yeah. I think she, I don't think that number's right. I would suggest to you that Bethany's probably makes the most out of any of them. Well, yeah, but I don't know. Look, she just Who's did that say? amazing race, right? Yeah, 
I mean, that must they must have paid her to do that. I, mean, I would I don't say know. that'd be a half a million dollar paycheck. I don't know. Maybe they, they don't. Maybe they go, hey, it's just an opportunity for you to get your name out there. Right. But, but yeah. anyway, I find that I would, yeah. I thought Bethany okay. would be at the right, right, right in the top three. Here's my question to you then. Yeah. You're a consumer. You just rattled off all of Atlanta Blanchard's sponsors. Yeah. Who are Bethany Hamilton's sponsors? Um, Cobian Sandals. Okay. Uh, Rip Curl. Okay. Um, less less influence though, right? I mean, well, she but she has a broader appeal. Like my daughter knows who she is more than she would know who like Steph Gilmore. Of is. course, but if she's not monetizing, but I think that, she is. I think they are monetizing it. I just don't think it's in the surf industry. I'm not sure how they're doing it, but I think the Hamilton family is doing it. Uh, and yeah. I just don't think it's public. You know, I, or maybe who did this article? Stab Mag. Yeah, I don't know if they yeah. just really dug into it because I just I don't know. Either. I mean. You think about the Soul Surfer movie, she's probably still getting royalties off of that. That's true. Right? And then, I don't know. So maybe her earnings are coming from public speaking engagements and things like that. That's not, not, that's high it. She kills it with that. Dude, I have a friend, again, actually, the guy who I said listens to the show who doesn't um, surf, but he's been responsible for hiring public speakers for whatever. Yeah. And, you know, he's told me the numbers that they pay guys like Colin Powell to come speak at your conferences and oh, stuff yeah, like yeah, that. It's and it's super high digit. Yeah, it's like, grand. yeah, six figures yeah. easily for those guys. Yeah. Um, Maya Gabiera. Really? Number sixth on the list. She must with be 450 big in Brazil, huh? But she's got sponsors like Renault Cars, Nextel, Red Bull, of course, you know? Yeah. So interesting just to hear some of the numbers that these yeah. people are making. Yeah, it is. That's yeah. cool. Well, good for them. I'm yeah. stoked for them. Yeah, totally. Um, what else you got? Well, speaking of Maya, how do you say her name? Gabiera. Gabiera. Um, the Double XL Awards mm. are, are sort of in a unique position because I would suggest that it's undoubtedly the most exciting year for the Double XL Awards. And and for sure, um, and maybe I'm wrong, but it seems like the most content. Like it just seems like they've been inundated with with paddling at Jaws, some of the most incredible days at Jaws. Um, with Shane Dorian and those guys, right? What's that place called in Portugal? It's called <laughs> <laughs> Nazare. Excellent. Nazare has been off the charts. Um, and then Mavericks. Right. And then the right in Australia has yep. been getting a lot of play in the XXL. So you've really got those four things. The other big hitters haven't really come out. Like the... Um, is it Shipsterns Bluff in South Africa sometimes gets some play? Shipsterns Bluff is um, not Shipsterns Australia. A de- what's the devil? There's that big wave spot yeah, yeah, in yeah. South Dungeons. Africa. Dungeons, right? Dungeons hasn't really showed up on the map, but you got to think that they've just the Double XL guys have just been getting inundated with content. It's going to be so difficult with how perfect Mavericks was a couple of weeks ago. There's just so much incredible content out there that I just feel like it's going to be, it's both exciting and it must be overwhelming for the guys in the editing bay at the XXL Awards. Well, here's my question to you. Last show we did, we devoted a bunch of time to saying how boring the XXL stuff is. No, I don't know. The contests are boring. The XXL is actually exciting because it's all boiled down. It's like right there. I can see, you know, a month's worth of content in an hour. Okay. So you're, you're into it then. Yeah. All right. Just want to make sure I'm clear on Scott Bass's what take on the double XL. What, what do you think about it? Do you, Dude, first of all, do you think that the largest waves ever ridden happened this year at Nazareth? Uh, yeah, probably. 
Do I care though? Yeah, you're not into it. That's I mean, fine. I mean, how much? How? My answer. I'll answer this yeah. with a really long, boring metaphor. Uh-oh. Uh Not really, but I'm much more likely to click on. Um, uh, uh, what happened at Pipeline this past week? Then I, or even Chopu, or even Lowers, maybe what happened there? Not in the winter time, but I'm gonna click on that link much more likely than I am on Session at Nazare, unless it's a paddle session, maybe you know, or something yeah. unique. But it's like I don't know. I see it, and I kind of look at the little thumbnail image of it. Read the caption. Okay, I get it. Move on. Right. Whereas some of this other stuff, if I see John John midway through a backflip rotation at backdoor the yeah, other that day, that was pretty crazy. I'm gonna click on that. Yeah. I have to click on it. Yeah. That little thumbnail image isn't enough. I need to see the sequence. Yeah. You know. Yeah, that's so that's kind of how that. I how I kind of define it as being different. Yeah. So they're not doing a very good job then of presenting it to you. I I don't know. Yeah. I mean, we've had this conversation. I don't know. I mean, if you would click on it, if it. You know, you might click on it and go, oh, that's all it is. They got me. <laughs> but you're not even clicking on it because what I, you see is the best moment anyway. Here's what I remember the most from clicking on Surfline's feature about Mavericks. Yeah. One of the slides showed showed Shane Dorian paddling out. I could not believe how thick his leash was. <laughs> Fascinating. I mean, no joke. I was like, where do you even buy a leash like that? The thing was half an inch thick. I mean, it was giant, yeah. you know? And I was like, wow, um, that's fascinating. And then I clicked through all the other images like yeah. at boom, a boom, faster boom, boom, rate, boom. Yeah. but I looked at that one for 15 seconds, baffled. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I remember. Yeah, the equipment is different. Yeah. But I mean, you know what, what I mean? What about Shane Dorian? Is he, is he ever going to stop? I mean, Dorian, you got to figure, first of all, he's got a young family. I don't know. He's got two kids, maybe three kids, something like that. Maybe just one, whatever. He's got a young family. He's in his mid-40s. At some point... Doing the stuff you do, it gets dangerous. Your body wears down. You know, joints get achy. Yeah. What? When is Dorian's? Probably, I bet he's. I bet he's like forty-two years old or he's forty-three. Him years and Slater, basically. I mean, you got to figure. You you do figure that, but the reality is, he and Slater are redefining what you can do into later ages. But I even mean, like, what about his family life? Like, what is his wife saying? Or like, does he ever go? God, that was a pretty. And he's had bad beatdowns. He even said last mm-hmm. year, he's like, "Oh my God, you know that was gnarly. You know, yeah. maybe I should stop doing this." Or at what point do you stop doing this? When it's kind of like when you and I decide to stop skateboarding. It's like, dude, I'm 38 years old. Long ago, yeah. You know, like, I think it's time. In other words, do you hang it up when you get a torn ACL or or are you smart and you hang it up before the torn ACL? Well, the reality is he's redefining what he can do and his body is in better shape than it was when he was 20 years old. So I I don't know about that. Are you kidding? Dorian's body's in better shape. Yes. Why? Because he works out for big wave surfing? Yeah. He takes his health more seriously. He's said that himself. He's in better shape. And I think Kelly would probably say the same thing. Maybe. They eat better. They're more active. They're training more. All that sort of stuff. And um, he, well, he actually was one of the featured surfers in that Red Paul Toblieb oh, yeah. uh, uh, ESPN yeah. big wave Hellman. Yeah. And they interviewed his wife and they talked about this stuff and oh, cool. his family life. All this stuff that you just asked about, they talk about. Oh, okay. And- um, she said, look, I just, we know that it, when there's a swell, he's gone for a few days and we're worried about him, but he takes more precaution in doing what he's doing than most people do when they drive to the grocery store. You know what I mean? Like people are more likely to die yeah. in a car wreck than he is going to die at Jaws because he's that much more prepared. 
And um, how many more years will Shane Dorian be the number one big wave surfer? I mean, how many more years? The do you number think one, I don't know, but the fact that Gary in the top five. I mean, a, a, here's my point: a force in the Gary in the Linden is still charging big waves. Yeah, at but 62. he's not a force like the way you know. He, I'm not saying he's not going to do it. I'm just saying. Like the way he's doing it now is like this is my career to go out right. and conquer this insane situation. I'm gonna say ten years. So until he's fifty-two years old. Mark my words. How many fifty-two-year-olds are there out there doing it on on that same level? Not I know Gary's out there doing yeah, it. Yeah, but. but my point is, ten years ago, how many forty-two-year-olds were there in contention for the world title? None. But Kelly redefined it, and he's still there. And I think that's what Shane's doing. So. Past 50, Dorian's going to be like hunting down the Surfline Purple Blob and I think flying so. to Portugal or wherever. I, I, I have no reason to believe otherwise. That's incredible. And I think we should discuss this on the 20th anniversary of Down the Line Radio. <laughs> wow. That's, that's, Let's uh, revisit this we're, topic. We're going to need a sponsor. <laughs> it's been 10 years without pay already. Yikes, dude. Yeah. Um, you have any more on the XL or can... No, that's okay. all I got there. I got something for you. I got a fun fact Uh-oh. that I, even though you've done this show for 10 years, yes, I am going to almost wager that you do not know this fun fact. I would agree with you already. Okay. I'm sure. I can't even get people's names. Keone Downing's <laughs> name spat um, out. Did you know that Kelly Slater earned a master's degree in criminal law from Sydney University? Shut up. I swear. Did he earn it or was he given it? Earned it over the course of six years. He studied part-time for six years and earned it in 2004. This has existed for 11 years now. How did you find this fun fact? Well, it is a good one. There's another surf radio show out of Australia called Ain't It Swell. Mm -hmm. Jed Smith and somebody else, I forget the other guy, they do it. Um, And so I check in with that occasionally. And it was something that they mentioned on the show and they were shocked by too. So then I started Googling it and it exists on a lot of different uh, news reports over the course of the last 10 years people mention it just as a side note but i'm like how did we not know this dude kelly slater has a master's degree that's insane sydney that's Uni- so cool sydney university in the in australia of course that needs to be excavated and highlighted more often so that the yeah. young people out there can see that you know he's there's more to it, kelly slater than and we've known that we've known I know, he's but a i just think it's great guy. that he has a master is it a phd masters masters master's degree he started studying in 1998 and got, completed it in 2004 it took him six years but i just thought it's it was in criminal justice criminal law criminal like, law which is unique i mean every law diff- is different in different countries yeah, so is it's it unique Sydney? is to, it australian it's law? unique to australia which is weird to me why would you study criminal law for australia Wow. Unless you're going to utilize it in a career. like if you're, I mean, you could be interested in it, which, but, is, which he obviously but, was. But that is such a specific thing to be interested in. Like yeah, you could right. be interested in psychology or philosophy and go get that and that'll right. apply to your life. Right, right, right. But to be interested in criminal law yeah. in Australia. Not just criminal law, like Aboriginal criminal law well, between 1860 and 1920 or whatever. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know. What? But I just thought that was an incredible fact about Kelly. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Um. Did you see Lewis Samuels is back in the news? No. What, oh, man. Dude, what is you're he missing doing? out. What is he doing now? <laughs> so Lewis Samuels, for listeners, um, was a he had a website called Post Surf a couple years back that was ran, I think, for a year or 18 months, and then he shut it down, uh, which was really controversial because he's a writer. He's got a very acerbic wit, you know, kind of cutting but funny. 
And, um, and it always had the best thing about his website post surf was that the comments section would always be alive with 20 to a hundred comments of people. Uh, the generally surf riders in the past tow the company line. They don't want to offend ad potential advertisers or current advertisers. So they're always kind basically to surfers. Lewis Samuels did not have that tact and would always say pretty crude things, but they were funny. So Surfline and actually the ASP at the beginning of 2014 have hired him to write power rankings. But the controversy with the ASP uh, website was they hired him to do it. They published it for half a day and they got so much flack from the World Tour surfers that they ended up taking it down. We had screenshots of it. I recall, and so we yeah, posted I remember it. that, yeah. But uh, he's been you know, MIA for the past year after that happened until after the Pipe Masters, Surfline hired him to write new power rankings, wrapping up 2014, going into 2015. So, and they're still, they still exist a week later on Surfline's website. Can I read a couple of them yeah, for you? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Taj Burroughs, number 12, quote, this is just, oh, Scott Bass's yeah. uh, phone going off in the middle of the Go show. Go ahead, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, it's all right. Um, so Taj Burroughs, he ranked as number 12 and he said a lot about Taj, but the final quote of his thing said, forget the world title already. Instead of in expecting a Fanning-esque campaign of consistency, fans are encouraged to enjoy Taj for his manic, hedonistic, distinguished dinosaur that he is. Yeah, that's, that's pretty um, tame for Lewis. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you and I, I, I've said for a couple of years that Taj Burrow will never win a world title. He just doesn't. He's even Taj Burrow has even said he doesn't care about the world title. Right. So it's kind of like okay, you know, like okay. How about this one for Kai Otten, placed at number eighteen back in two thousand thirteen? Otten's victory in Portugal reminded fans of a viral video in which teammates of a mentally challenged middle school football player conspire to gift him a touchdown. We're talking inspired, tear-jerking, underdog stuff of the Special Olympics variety. As probable as precious winning Miss America. Honestly, I don't know how he did it, but Dion Atkinson should have joined Taj's cult or at least attended one of his motivational workshops while he still had a chance. Was that for Dion or for Kai? That was for Kai, but Dion, Dion's tour of duty has ended, basically, right. and Kai is going into year number nine. So yeah. Dion should have taken a page out of Kai's book, basically, oh, before see, Dion see, yeah. got kicked. But how's that, dude? Yeah, that's, that's brutal. Um, mean-spirited. Mean-spirited? Yeah. Slightly accurate? Um, probably, you know. I, 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 when I think of Kai Otten, I don't necessarily, you know, I just think middle of the road. There's, look, there's, there's four, 32 guys, right? Yeah, there's going to exactly. be middle of the road guys and there's just, they are what they are. You know, the middle of the road guys, they can occasionally go to Chopu or cloud break and win an event or get mm -hmm. into the semis and cause some turmoil and, or have their moment in the sun. And that's the nature of the sport. There's going to be middle of the road guys. I've always said, I only want to see the top 10, right, get rid of, of the rest of right. them. But here's um, final, final yeah, quote yeah, about ahead. Alejo Muniz at number 12. Alejo is to surfing what Joe Turpel is to commentating. Likeable, Competent, tolerable in small doses, but absolutely insufferable after a few heats. Remember what it was like when we used to watch Kieran Perot surf at Trestles? That's what it feels like to watch Alejo surf all year long, unquote. <laughs> I think that's more cutting for Joe than it is for Alejo. But, <laughs> that's very true, actually. But, um, but it's, I mean, here's the deal. 
I kind of like seeing Lewis Samuels pop up every once in a while. It is mean-spirited, and I'm sad that I like reading the mean-spirited stuff, (laughs) but it's kind of true, and I think it kind of lights a fire under some of these guys. I know CJ has reached out and said, I want Lewis Samuels to write my power ranking because there's an element of truth to it. Even if it's extra mean-spirited unnecessarily, there's an element of truth and of uh, holding up the mirror you know? Well, you know, you probably know this goes way back to Surfer Magazine with Derek Hine. Derek Hine did the first uh, power rankings yeah. back in the 90s. And they were awesome, right. you know? Um, were they this mean-spirited? No, they were. I would suggest to you that they were, because they had the filter of the Surfer Magazine editorial department um, and the publisher, um, they were they were more truthful and more blunt and more just, you know, they weren't like searching for a clever analogy. You know, there wasn't any of, it wasn't quite as, um, you know, scathing perhaps. Right. But they were, they were maybe you could argue better because they were, it was just more Derek, um, you know, being Derek and Derek's an incredible writer. Not that Lewis is a great writer, but I, I guess, um, the internet has allowed people to yeah, be we, more mean spirit. Exactly. Basically. I guess that's what it is. And the thing about Derek is that he lived it. You know, Derek was on the tour. So it always comes a little bit, uh, it's easier to swallow when it comes from one of your own rather Very than true. just, you know, who, you know, a good writer. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I think that Lewis, um, I think that, look, that's what people want out of Lewis. They want that stuff. Yeah. You know, like you, you're into it, you know, and his fan base is into, you know, how disappointed they would be if it was Lewis just kind of going, yeah, you know, probably not this year, a scale of one to 10, a five. Right. As opposed to, he's this and he's a mentally retarded idiot, but, you know. Yeah. But, um, you know, it is what it is. It's, you know, I guess he's feeding the masses what they want. Yeah. Or or they, I mean, I don't know how much they actually want it because he doesn't really have an existing platform that he puts this stuff out on. You know, it's not like he's selling books or something. Um, but I enjoy reading it in small doses. Occasionally, I was happy to see it pop up there rather than the same old. Who else would be good? Who else does a good job doing that? Um, doing the power rankings? Yeah, thing? doing the power rankings. Is there anyone that you'd rather see? I mean... You're excited to see Lewis's byline come up, but there is there anyone else yeah, out there that not really recently not, has done it? Like not that I can think of. I mean, Derek Hine is still active. I don't know why they don't reach out to him any longer. Well, I think Derek's probably just, you know he's done that already. You yeah, know, that's it, true. It's it's you know look, you take a little bit of heat for it. I can't imagine you get a lot of personal satisfaction out of right. ripping somebody down. Right. Like it, to me, it's just it's like oh man, that's right. too bad. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. All right, what's next? Um, shark attack. Speaking oh, of Lewis yeah. Samuels, shark attack. Yeah. Um, I see here that a teenager escaped a shark attack. Um, the same shark killed his friend when they were diving in Western Australia. Uh, 17-year-old Jay Muscat died after he was bitten on the leg by a 16-foot-long great white shark while spearfishing off of Western Australia. However, his friend Matt Pulella wrote on Facebook that, and I quote, the shark turned and came for me. I pushed my spear gun down its throat and fired the gun. Yikes. And um, the shark swam away and attacked his friend and killed his friend. That is insane. Sort of sad. Well, it's very sad. Dude, uh, 
shoved the spear gun down the shark's throat and pulled the That's trigger. That's what he wrote on Facebook. That is so gnarly. It might have been more like I just happened to shoot my spear gun at the shark's face while I shot in my wetsuit. Right. That's but, Mark Healy level stuff, dude. <laughs> That's a bummer. Um, and earlier in Western Australia in October, the surfer lost both um, his arms in an attack by two great white sharks. Mm. Um, and then closer to home here, just a couple of weeks ago, in Montaña de Oro State Park, Kevin Swanson was dragged underneath by a 10-foot great white shark, completely underneath, came up, screamed shark attack, swam to the beach, put the leash on his leg for a tourniquet. Wow. And um, he Rescued himself. Yeah, pretty much rescued himself. Yeah, there was a guy next to him that said, I was about 10 feet from him and it was absolutely quiet. The shark came straight up out of the depths and got him and took him under the water. How scary. That was the amazing part. The big giant side of the shark just curving up out of the water. Swanson was underwater for several seconds, four or five seconds. So you can imagine those four or five seconds must have seemed like an hour. Getting dragged downward too. I mean. In complete silence, just like. Yeah. Dude, that's the scariest thing if you ever go snorkeling or diving or whatever is having your sense of sound taken away from you. It gets very eerie. You it's know, all, it's all right there in and your head, your, huh? And your periphery vision's gone too because of your goggles. So it's like you can see ahead of you and sometimes you'll turn and look and there'll be a fish or something. And yeah, you get fully startled. <laughs> it's like, holy crap. And then you realize anything could sneak up on me here. Well, my question to you is, if you were violently attacked by a shark and you lived, would you quit surfing? Probably not. Um, it's hard to say. Yeah. I I mean, it's I I can uh, logically rationalize right now that the odds of getting attacked by a shark are so slim that if you got attacked once, you know you can almost guarantee you would never be attacked again. Therefore, there's nothing to be worried about. However, so you're hoping to get attacked? Is that what you? No, 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 no. <laughs> but the the trauma, of course, could supersede that rational thought and right. just be like, dude, I'm so traumatized. I'm never touching water again. I'm gonna stop bathing. In fact, screw that. <laughs> I'm gonna go sponge bath it from here on out. <laughs> oh my. Um, what about you? Would you would you? Say I don't know. You you kind of nailed it. It's, yeah. It just you can't answer that question. It's yeah. sort of out of context. Yeah. I see here the 2015 Dahui backdoor shootout is running in memory of Duke Kahanamoku. The holding period is happening right now. They're in the waiting period. Waiting period ends January 17th, so the event currently on standby. It looks like this Friday or Saturday they cool. may hold it. Sweet. There's some good-sized swell coming in Wednesday, tomorrow, but um, there's literally been it's been i guess it's been flat over there or yeah. actually what it's been is north swell so there's tons of sand on the reef at pipe all the sand's built back up right which um sort of needs to get taken away um who's competing in it well um all the north shore local types you know the john poncho john? sullivan's probably john john yeah okay. all those guys will probably be in it unless they don't have an asp sanction a wsl sanction for the event Are which th- means that you would be in trouble with the wsl for surfing in a non-wsl event i was gonna say are they going to allow two wild card spots to wct surfers <laughs> i don't as a as a you know yeah like a a little, uh, I don't know, recipro- term? reciprocity yeah, for reciprocity, what the ASP yeah. did for them coming right. into this. I think Quid they should pro- hold the trials quo. event for all 32 surfers yeah. to let the top two in. Well, this year's event in memory of Duke Kahanamoku and the 50th anniversary of the original Duke Kahanamoku Invitational, which was the biggest 
event back in the day on the North Shore. So uh, that's kind of cool. For the first time ever, this year's Backdoor Shootout is going to include longboard, sup, and body surfing expression sessions featuring local surfers. But uh, no webcast, unfortunately. At least the, the, the digging that I did, I didn't see anywhere where there was a live webcast happening. It's expensive to yeah. operate, yeah. you know. Interesting. How do you, so do the expression session stuff, like I'm hip to it. Like, I think it's kind of fun to see. How do you feel like the women's expression session went during the WCT men's pipe masters event? They let, they had, um, Bethany Hamilton, Carissa Moore, Steph Gilmore, who was injured slightly and Tyler Wright go out and surf in between heats during well, the men's the event. The wind was on it. The waves were crappy, yes. which was a bummer. You know, it's, it's one of those things where you really need to put those girls in the in the really good conditions, and you never can because that's when you're running the event. Except we did in Fiji this year at Cloudbreak. The girls? Yep. Yeah. And they did well. Mm, no, no, they didn't do well. <laughs> oh, that's right. You were forgetting. Oh, yeah, you were. I know. I they, recall they now you were, you were bummed, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Everybody was bummed. I thought, look, Bethany charged. They all kind of yeah. charged. Bethany charged. Carissa charged. Right, Steph didn't do much. Beth charged a couple of closeouts. I think Carissa won the won the heat. By the way, yeah, she did. Steph was injured. Tyler Wright tried to she get got a couple worked. backdoor waves, but Bethany Bethany got worked. But she was charging. But she charged closeouts at pipe. She took off on proper she waves and pulled into them. Yeah, and then got smashed, yeah. which was awesome. Which is what you want to see. Right. I feel like <laughs> <laughs> women with one arm getting smashed. No, at pipe. it was which what you want to see anybody who serves right, pipeline right, do. Right. It's like not sneak into a sneaky backdoor barrel and come out barely. Like you want to charge into the biggest sets of the day, but. Uh, She's incredible. Yeah, but One it's arm. it's fun to watch these sort of expression sessions. So I'm kind of I'm kind of cool with them doing an SUP thing out there. Are you? Well, not a whole event, yeah. but if it's a 30 minute thing yeah. in between heats, sure. When the guys are like, you know, uh, re re upping on water and energy, it's, you and know, stuff. it's just you know, <laughs> there's some gnarly guys. Look, um, you know, it's there's gnarly local guys that do stand up, and they're like, oh, yeah. Eddie, we want to do that, and Eddie's like, okay, yeah, totally. Yeah. I'm hip. Bruce Irons, uh, Death Row Fantasy. Did you see this thing I sent you? This was troubling, dude. It kind of was, troubling. which is why I brought it up. Yeah. So on beachgrit.com, uh, they got a hold of Bruce Irons and they asked him to say, uh, they asked him some morbid questions about having death row fantasies. Derek Riley did this piece. He started it out with, hey, everyone has death row fantasies. Well, first of all, I've never had a death row fantasy in my life. Like, I don't know where that comes from. I couldn't relate to it at all. This idea that people have death row fantasies. He said, ever since I was a kid, I would pretend I was on death row and then envision, well, what crime did I commit? What would my last meal be? That was his premise. A very twisted, sophomoric, hypothetical line of thought and questioning that they, that they threw at Bruce Irons, who... I guess surf celebrities are open game for this stuff. So according to Bruce Irons, his death row fantasy is uh, he got there by finding out that his wife was cheating on him. So he killed the man. And then Bruce Irons chopped the man up and ate him. And then upon feeling really guilty, he tried to kill himself. He gets caught as one of his so-called bros snitched him out. He decided that he would take the electric chair as his mode of execution. His last meal would be New Zealand lamb cutlets. He'd ask that his wife watch the execution. He'd smoke a last cigarette all in one big inhale. And his last words are, and I quote, hanging on in quiet desperation is the English way, which is a line from 
one of the Pink Floyd's songs on Dark Side of the Moon, which is the soundtrack while all of this plays out. So really strange, um, especially given, you know, the Bruce Irons context that we have with his brother. And there's been a lot of sadness, more or less, around Bruce. I mean, you don't see him as a happy guy. You just see him as sort of a there's a black cloud around him. He's just upset. You just you know what I mean? Like there's never like a he's just not a happy go lucky guy. And his he and his wife recently split, by the way. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, you're kidding. No. So. Recently, like a year ago. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So just just really strange thing to post, even for beachgrit.com. I just thought it was dark and... I and was expecting it to get taken down. When yeah. you sent it to me, I pulled it up on my phone and just screenshotted the thing because I'm like, well, this is coming down in five hours. <laughs> when, when the powers that be at Fox, you know, Bruce's sponsor, get wind of this. Like, it's so disturbing. And why would you... It was completely. I'm not, I'm not in the media. I'm it not in the like, media's eye, beyond what we publish ourselves. But it's like I wouldn't answer this question with my buddies drinking beers if they asked me. I'd be like, dude, that's just like morbid. Well, that's my question to you: is is answering this line of questioning good or bad for the Bruce Irons brand? The obvious answer there is it's horribly bad. Not only is it bad, it's not even entertaining. It wasn't. It was upsetting. Quite yes. frankly, I found it like, that's why I sent it to you. I'm like, oh my God, dude, can you, I can't believe this is, I'm reading this right now. Yeah. And that it's, um, was put out there in this like, kind of like, hey bro, having a couple beers, going to ask you a question about the, you know, right. like, yeah, really strange. Kind of weird. Strange. Yeah. And, um, I think that Beach Grit has come a long way in the six months that they've been around. And originally I wasn't too keen on them, but they've tried a lot of different formats and a lot of different styles of things. And some of it sticks, some of it doesn't. I think this was a an attempt on their end that kind of fell short. And I don't know that they'll make this a series, but I appreciate them at least trying with different things, you know, and I can kind of see, I'm not really blaming them for attempting this, but uh, poor form in publishing it maybe or poor form for Bruce to agree to it and play along like I'm not well I almost feel like Bruce uh, Bruce is the kind of guy who probably answered the phone Derek Riley's his buddy and he goes hey man I want to ask you some questions it's kind of cool thing Death yeah. Row Fantasy and Bruce was on the phone going okay what is it you know and right. he just he just kind of winged it you know yeah. and didn't give it much thought you yeah. know and it's unfortunate speaking yeah. of Death Row Fantasy there's a new <laughs> reality show which focuses on Malibu's surf youth it's awesomeness tv's new series called surfers it launched two days ago monday january 3rd it follows the lives or whatever not monday but saturday it follows the lives of a group of malibu teens as they navigate through relationships plan for the future and catch some great sessions a crew of 16 year old malibu surfers telling you how great surfing is and why they love it and how important it is to their lives with a smattering of Spicoli-esque bros, dudes, and let's chill. I saw the trailer for this. I don't know if I sent it to you or not. You did, did you, not. Did you see this? No. I have <laughs> well, no clue what you're talking about. In short, it's quite boring, and, and really, we don't even need to talk about it other than it, it was a great segue into Death Row Fantasies. Well, let me... I have one one comment I'm going to send it. you the trailer, and you're, you're going to puke. I have one comment about it. Yeah. It was produced by Awesomeness TV. Yes. Checked out right when you said that. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't hear anything else that came out of your mouth. No doubt. Awesomeness TV. Awesomeness TV. Wow. Yeah. So 
is Awesomeness TV run by it's a 12, so bad, 12 year old it's so bad, surfer it's good. from no, Malibu? It's so bad it's not really that good. Oh, man. <laughs> is it on YouTube only or something? I saw it on Surfer's Village. I was looking at some other... But what I mean is where is oh, the awesomeness show TV? published? Yeah, it's it got to be, be broadcast. on Vimeo. No, I, don't, okay. I don't know. God dang. What is this world coming to, Scott? You, you, just to get a, a chuckle out of how horrible it is, you might want to take a peek at the trailer. So there's a legit production company making this when your podcast has not made a dime in 10 years. <laughs> right. That is correct. What What is the world coming to? Dude? <laughs> I don't know. Where are the sponsors? Uh, Have you, I mean, well, whatever. We'll yeah. talk off the air. <laughs> yeah. Um, what do you, I, I'm done. I, I yeah, have I'm cool else. wrapping up, dude. Yeah. I think we're good. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, we have musty moments, Dukes and Kooks, of course. I know that you come prepared for that every week. Well, obviously my kook of the week is the guy who produced this show on awesomeness TV called Surfers, a reality TV based on 16 year old Malibu guys. Here's what I, okay. Here's what I do with my kook and duke. Okay. Yeah. Not that I need to give you notes on how to no, produce the show. You, I've heard your kook and duke. You do these long soliloquies that are an hour long on sometimes. not even people on institutions. Some, sometimes. Hey, institutions can be kooks. Uh, no, here's what I do. When I come up with all the topics we should discuss, yes. I then go through that and go, which one of these is a kook and which one of these is a duke? And then that becomes, so you don't have to find additional kooks and dukes. Didn't to I just other, do that? I think I just I did know that. that's, I kind of noticed that, yeah, but, right. um, so my, my kook. Yes. Also found on beachgrit.com. Thanks, beachgrit.com. Yeah. Uh, we've, I've in jest made funny, or I think they're funny, jokes about Kelly Slater potentially being John John Florence's dad. Yes. It's all in jest. I saw this. It's funny. I'm so glad you brought this up. Beachgrit.com yeah. did a story on John John Florence's actual father, writing a tell-all book recently. I saw this. And this I've is, actually this met is true. this guy. I, I met this guy. You said that, but you weren't sure it was his dad. Yeah. Was, you said he came in with Alex. Alex and the three boys. Yeah, John and, John's mom. Yeah. And the three boys. And and I was, yeah, I wasn't sure, but now I know this is the guy. Okay. This is his MO right here. So this guy's name is actually John Florence. Right. Senior. And he wrote a tell-all book. Coming out of the woodwork, to benefit from John John's pos- prosperity. Right. Um, and it's a whopping 69 pages long. Lots of tell. It's <laughs> very little all. <laughs> it's all tell, actually, no all. Um, and it's entitled F E A R, capital letters, fear based. An acronym? Or? It's, yeah, it's F.E.A.R. Um, and it's available digitally. I don't think it's going to print. Have you purchased it? Heck no, dude. Oh, come on. I just read the quotes from the book, which made me yeah, kind no, of. I read this article. It was pretty right. good. Here's a quote from the book that will make you want to throw up in your mouth. Um, <laughs> quote, I am a natural flirt. I always enjoy making people smile, chuckle, laugh. I am very sexual by nature. I was raised that way. I have always enjoyed the whole sexual uendo sort of suggestion in general conversation. Something that would make a person raise an eyebrow while simply giving a sly, knowing smile back. Very sexual. What? Listen, dude. Very sexual in every way to a fault or not. I am not sure, but this is simply how I interact with everyone from passengers, 
uh, at my tables, I think he's a waiter, to coworkers, friends, and girlfriends. Alex, meaning John John's mom, was attracted to me because I was charming, funny waiter, union delegate, friend of the captain, a sort of king of the dining room on the ships. She was also intimidated by those qualities. Whoa. Unquote. So he must work on a cruise ship as a waiter. That's, yeah, yeah. apparently so. How so, disturbing is that, by the way? It's pretty weird. The whole thing's creepy. So freaking creepy, dude. <laughs> like, I, I'm so disturbed by it. I wasn't sure we should even devote any time to it at all. Other, But then I figured, let's poke fun, and that will make it acceptable. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, he's currently awaiting arraignment on two felony DUI charges as well. Oh, man. This guy's got issues. Seems like a stand-up gent. So a much better, so that's the kook of the week, of course, but a much better and more compelling story is the one told by Alex Florence herself, which Stab Magazine did an interview with her about two years ago, and Derek Riley from Stab, who now does Beach Grit, synthesized it into a narrative which he posted on Beach Grit three months ago, and it was um, the remarkable jo- uh, the remarkable voyage of Mom John Florence is the title of the article, and I'll make sure to post it, a link to both those on surfsplendorpodcast.com. So that's my kook of the week. All right. You want to hear my duke? Yes. My duke is the country of Brazil and the continent of South America. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> what about, no, how about okay. the hemisphere, or can you get into the The country planets? of Brazil. Here's the why. The country of Here's Brazil why. and the continent of South America. The country of Brazil fostered the passion behind Gabriel Medina that propelled him to a world title. But here's what's more important, is during his campaign- How much are they paying you for this? During his campaign to his world title, everybody, even the ASP and the commentators were saying, Gabriel Medina is gonna be the first Brazilian surfing world champion. You know, the first from South America is even what Joe Turpel said, I quote. That is not true at all, actually. In 2007, Phil Rasman longboard was champion. the world, the longboard world champ. Yeah, the first Brazilian world champ in surfing. It wasn't a shortboard men's world title, but it was a it was a surfing world champ. So you got to give it up to Phil Rasman. But before that, in 2004, Sofia Milanovic from Peru oh, yeah. won the women's world title. Oh, yeah. So Joe Turpel saying he's the first South American world champ is also not an accurate. Accurate right. statement. Right. So my Duke is Phil Rasman for winning the first Brazil world title in 2007 and Sofia Milanovic for winning the first South American world title in 2004. Bang. <laughs> Fair enough, man. I think you're, Scott, you're spot on. Scott Bass hates South America. No, is what no. we got out of this segment. No, 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 not at all. I, I, I want you to read a book called The River of Doubt. And it's about Teddy Roosevelt's trip down um, one of the tributaries of the Amazon River. It's a fascinating mm. book. Mm. It'll give you a lot of insight into a great South American that um, was the first director of the national park system for Brazil and the Amazon. The, a River of Doubt. Interesting that you say that because I'm currently listening to Teddy Roosevelt's uh, biography, actually. And it's fascinating. Cool. Yeah, it's the rise of... Yeah, The Rise of Theodore Roosevelt, which I'm super into at the moment. It's very good. Well, the book I'm reading that I want you to read when you're done with that is called The Looming Tower, Al-Qaeda and the Road to 9-11 by Lawrence Wright, which is insanely good. Really? And gives you all the backstory into how radical Islamists, did I say that right? Islamists? 
radical Islamist. The radical Islamist movement uh, took root starting mm. in uh, the 1930s, and it's really great. It you- gives you so much insight into it. You know, now when I watch the news and they mention names or they mention locations or regions, it, mm-hmm. you get a lot of understanding about how this whole thing's playing out. Do you actually read or do you listen? I read. Do you listen to books as well? I have. I don't. I find myself drifting when I listen. Really? I yeah. have the opposite experience. Yeah. I focus more listening than I do in reading. But I also have books that I read in, you know, in print. And then it depends on what it is. I kind of. It's weird because I'll listen to a lot of TEDx. And I'll listen to stuff. You know, I don't. I'm not against listening, but I don't know for whatever reason I've been reading right. lately. Right. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Must see moment. John John Florence, uh, ESPN yes. submission. He just. I don't know if ESPN. I I meant to actually research this before the show, but I don't know. Are they doing like a video submission X Games thing? It seems like maybe what it is. Like holding a a digital X Games where you submit your content and they pick a winner. I think that's what it is. John John Florence basically two days ago published this ESPN submission and it's him surfing in France when the world tour was there a couple of months ago, but it's all this free surfing stuff and it's insane. Yeah. John John's setting new standards all yeah. the time. Yeah, that's must-see. And must-see. I'll tell you that my must-see moment is um, the Surfers Journal did a retrospective or a look back or a farewell, if you will, to all the surfers that passed away oh. this year. Wow. And um, it's really good. You know, it's, it's just, you know, I can't butcher it by explaining it other than, you know, it sort of mentions all the guys, you know, Ben Carlson, the Newport Beach lifeguard that, that died during Hurricane Marie swell. And Prior to Hurricane Marie. Bruce Jones, Dorian Paskowitz, Hobie Alter, Jay Adams, Matt Kivlin, J.J. Jeffrey. You know, the list goes on. We just lost Matt, uh, Mike T- Tabling, Sonny Miller. All these guys passed away, but it's a really cool little retrospective, and it gives you a little bit of um, perspective. How are things coming with the upcoming boardroom show? They're coming along great. Okay. Yeah. We're, we're, May, is it? May 16th and okay. 17th. Yeah, we just... Uh, Launch the um, booth sales are going and uh, at a rapid pace here, and uh, I'll have a bunch of other, um, you know, mentions, information, releases, if you will, about that in some upcoming shows. It's at Del Mar again. Del Mar, yeah. Excellent. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's gonna be good. Cool. Right on, dude. All right. Well, until next Welcome time. Welcome to 2015. Yeah, huh? exactly. Wow. Um, until next time, two weeks from today, more or less. Um, adios and aloha. There you go. Thank you for tuning in and spending the last hour and a half of your day with us. Pretty much told you everything you need to know about Surf Splendor at the top of the show. Go to surfsplendorpodcast.com. You'll follow us on social media. Also, um, I noticed over the holidays, there's a couple of new reviews and ratings up on iTunes. And I'm very grateful for those. Thank you very kindly. They basically, doing that just helps our show's ranking and it helps other people to find the show when they search for it kind of boosts us to the top of those uh, search results on iTunes pretty sure it works the same way on Stitcher although it doesn't seem to be that we have as many listeners via the the Stitcher app but all good we're thrilled that you're just listening and of course sharing the show with friends because that is the only way that the show grows I've said it over and over again but it is absolutely true We are thrilled to be able to produce this content, but realistically, that's just one part of the show. 
The other part is the absorption of it and the listening to it. And without listeners, there's no point in us creating that content. So if you could just pass the word along to friends, tell other people about the show and seeing the show's growth will just allow us to attract bigger guests and continue this snowball kind of thing that we have going. It's how the show has gotten to where it is today, basically. So we're thrilled for that. We're grateful and encourage you to continue doing it. So until next week, this is your host for Surf Splendor, David Scales, saying thank you for listening and ciao.